Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The eastern half of the Mediterranean has of course been known as one of the cradles of civilization, endowing mankind with Hellenic, Roman, Egyptian, Ottoman, and Judeo-Christian legacies among others. Yet with culture, there also comes conflict, with ancient hostilities dormant only until they rise up again due to competition or ideology. This seems to be the situation in the eastern Mediterranean today, primarily between Greece and Turkey. Are we headed towards further escalation, or conversely, towards de-escalation? To analyze the developments in the gas-rich and therefore explosive region, we're joined from Athens, Greece, by Professor Dr. Ioannis Nomikos, who is the director at Research Institute for European and American Studies and founding editor at Journal of Mediterranean and Balkan Intelligence. Welcome. Welcome, sir. Also joining us from Istanbul, Turkey, is Mr. Yusuf Erim, editor-at-large at Public Broadcast, TRT World. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And with uh, us here in the studio is our TV7 analyst, Mr. Amir Oren. Mr. Oren, give us a broader understanding on uh, the latest developments pertaining to the situation in the Eastern Mediterranean. So as is well known, a lot of history, a lot of geography also involved. And you know, Turkey as a landmass is six times the size of Greece. But when you talk about islands, if you look at the list of uh, the 10 largest islands in the Mediterranean, Greece has five, while Turkey only one. And Greece has 11 of the uh, uh, largest uh, 20. So uh, by uh, the incident of uh, geography, if we talk about the Mediterranean and uh, what is included in uh, exclusive economic zones. And is the Mediterranean, as was one said about the Franco-Israeli relationship, a bridge over water? Or is it now uh, only a military route in which uh, the uh, uh, two uh, sides are going to meet? Uh, This is going to be uh, seen very soon. And if we look at what the uh, American administration, the Trump administration has been doing only recently, we have seen that uh, uh, both Secretary Pompeo and uh, his assistant secretary, um, uh, Cooper, uh, who has taken uh, uh, part in strategic affairs, have visited uh, Athens. They have spoken with the Cypriots. And recently there has been uh, also um, rising tension in Cyprus. Um, with the uh, Turk uh, part of uh, Cyprus changing the status quo somewhat. And the Americans have called on the uh, Turkish Cypriots to revert to what has happened. And of course, if you add to that what we know about the gas problems, about Libya, about the uh, alliance of Israel, uh, Cyprus, Greece, Egypt, Italy, and probably France, a raid against uh, Turkey, you have a very explosive mixture. Indeed. Uh, Mr. Arim, I would like to refer the first question to you. With so many nations uh, joining forces, if you will, with regard to the Eastern Mediterranean in uh, disputing Turkey's claims, uh, which uh, are uh, 
contentious to a certain degree between uh, Athens and Ankara in particular. What is the Turkish position and what are those claims that uh, President Erdogan is uh, seemingly uh, repeating uh, with regard to that territory? Uh, okay. Uh, well, Turkey's, Turkey's claims in the Eastern Mediterranean are very, very basic. Uh, obviously, it's continental shelf claim, and it has the argument that islands cannot have a cutoff effect on coastal pre uh, projection. It's also claiming that islands lying on the opposite side of a median line drawn between Turkey and Greece uh, in the Aegean cannot create their own maritime jurisdiction beyond territorial waters. Uh, Turkey has the largest mainland coastline in the Mediterranean, and as such, it feels that it's the size of its coastline should be taken into account when delineating maritime jurisdiction. And it also says that Greek islands lying on the Turkish side of this median line distort equity and shouldn't be granted their own exclusive economic zone. And when we look at the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea, we see that the principle of the law of the sea is based on equitable distribution. And also, I want to take into a snapshot of what's going on in the eastern Mediterranean, right off the coast of Antalya, the small island of Castellarizo. It's a very small island, about 10 square miles uh, size, 100, uh, 580 kilometers away from the Greek coast, two kilometers near the Turkish coast. But when we look at certain maps, I'm going to touch on the Seville map, while many Greeks say, well, this is not an official map. We do see the Greek foreign minister, Nikos Dendias, and his comments uh, very close to what the civil map suggests. So we're going to have to take that into account when we look at the civil map. And uh, the civil map shows Castellarizo projecting a 40,000 square kilometer exclusive economic zone, basically bottling up the Turkish coast. Now, there's much international jurisprudence and court uh, precedent setting court cases, whether it be Yemen versus Eritrea, Canada versus France, Romania versus Ukraine, the North Sea case, all these cases and their rulings favor Turkey's uh, view on the Eastern Mediterranean regarding these outlying islands projecting their own exclusive economic zone. Indeed. Uh, Professor Dr. Nomikos, what is the Greek uh, claim and uh, how do you respond to Turkey's claim specifically with regard to the island and, and the various precedents that were just mentioned by uh, uh, Mr. Erim? Well, first of all, we need to understand, you know, that uh, Mr. Erdogan right now uh, is moving very paradoxically regarding, you know, Kassaloro, who is a Greek island. And of course, you know, uh, Greece, you know, should... Uh, have uh, already, you know, made an exclusive economic zone with, uh, with um, you know, Cyprus. So, um, as you know, there is, you know, the Convention of Law and Maritime, you know, uh, in, uh, in the UN. Greece has signed, uh, has signed about that. Turkey has not signed about that. And uh, the way they are doing that, they are extremely aggressive, you know. And uh, anytime we talk about, uh, let's say that we are like to see our neighbor in a good way, and discuss about exploratory, you know, uh, um, talks. Uh, have you seen any exploratory talk right now? What's happened, you know, we went to the uh, European Union to discuss with Turkey what's happened. Nothing really happened. And uh, Greece and uh, Cyprus, you know, stood up and they said, okay, if we have any uh, willingness to discuss about a neighborhood, let's sit on the table to see what's wrong and what's right. 
But what's happened? Now we are on alert, you know, militarily, and we are fixing to have a warm incident from Mr. From Mr. Dogan, from the Turkish point of view, between 29 of October and 2 of 14 December. I think you cannot really discuss as a neighborhood if there is no willingness to discuss. What I see right now, I see psychological operation, you know, and a kind of blackmail using, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Merkel, the Germany, you know, to, to drag Greece on the table. Well, let me say something, because I'm coming from the United States and I know exactly what I'm saying. You know, if you want to discuss with someone, you need to respect it and you need to, you know, to sit on the table and discuss what's going on. You cannot, you know, blackmail. You cannot have the European Union, you know, to, to push someone to go there. And of course, uh, I see that the destabilization process, the destabilization process inside NATO, because I do believe, uh, all right, uh, that Greece has, uh, that Greece is uh, really, you know, looking forward uh, to find a way to discuss with Turkey, but not in this way, not on the blackmailing. And something mm -hmm. else, I do feel that, you know, Turkey has a bad on it, the West. They have left the West. And right now what I see is like Germany and the Russian is using Turkey as a proxy to destabilize the East Med. The East Med is a national security issues for mm -hmm. Israel, for Greece, for Cyprus, for Egypt. So if you like to discuss with a neighbor like Greece and, and Turkey, you need to be calm. You need to be relaxed. You need to respect, you know, the sovereignty of the other country, and you need to respect, the, you know, the international law. Not by, you know, make every every hour, you know, psychological operation or statement against Greece. There's no way to do that. So, Mr. Nikos Zemgias, the Prime Minister, Mr. Mitsotakis said, how we are going to discuss if you are using this kind of statement and that I feel not welcome to come to you. I feel not depressed to discuss. All right, so... Uh, the Greek the Greek armed forces on alert uh, from July until now. Is there any way to shift this kind of discussion? Unfortunately, no. Indeed, Professor Dr. Nomikos, I'd like to uh, hear Mr. Erim's response to uh, your positions. And, and beyond that, uh, uh, there was a meeting uh, at the sidelines of, of a summit in, in Europe between uh, the foreign minister of Greece, uh, Dendias, and uh, uh, his uh, Turkish counterpart, Mevlucci Vusoglu, during which they did agree about setting a time, uh, which was uh, uh, basically uh, 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 Mr. Cevusoglu noted that Turkey would set the time for exploratory talks to uh, start, after which uh, there were uh, uh, different reports about different things that were happening behind the scenes but didn't really materialize into uh, something uh, of uh, fruition. And then um, the seismic vessel Eric Reis was uh, redeployed into the eastern Mediterranean for offshore uh, exploration. Uh, with uh, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan mentioning specifically that it was the Greeks who uh, defied their promises and claims. What were those promises and claims that he spoke about uh, in uh, not standing by their word, uh, if I uh, am correct uh, specifically about that? Uh, could you give us a little bit of an understanding? What was the chain of events there uh, from a Turkish perspective? And, of course, also the response to uh, Professor Dr. Nomikos. Well, first of all, uh, it looks like exploratory talks are probably going to take place at either the last week of November or the first week of December in Istanbul. That's what 
I've been hearing from sources. Uh, now, when we look at Choshola and Dendias and their talk where, where they agreed to have reopen exploratory talks, I believe it's the 61st round right now, uh, some of the topics and the agenda of exploratory talks, there's always been a problem with that. Turkey wants to sit down and talk about a wide uh, variety of issues, about 60 issues from what I've heard from sources. Well, Greece is only interested in just talking about their maritime jurisdiction with Turkey. But unfortunately, maritime jurisdiction is a very broad topic when it's uh, Turkey, uh, Turkey and Greece at the table because of the unique geography between both countries. Now, after this agreement to pull order trace and its return back, uh, first of all, we need to know that the new NAVTEX issued for order trace is about 10 miles off the Turkish coast. It is 10 miles off the Turkish coast. I know there is a tremendous amount of uh, uh, backlash coming from Greece, but we need to rem remember that, again, 10 miles off the Turkish coast that uh, the Greeks are contesting. That's absolutely ridiculous. I can almost swim to where the NAVTEX area is. Uh, next of all, uh, Greece issued live drilling, uh, a NAPTEX for a live drilling military, live fire military exercise on Turkey's Independence Day. So this obviously did not play well with Ankara. They were not happy. There is an unwritten agreement between both countries that they will avoid doing uh, military exercises on their national holidays. And as such, Turkey reciprocated by uh, holding its own uh, drill on its on Greece's Independence Day as well. So this type of rhetoric and these types of reciprocal actions do need to be avoided. Uh, the NATO uh, deconfliction mechanism is very, very important because the last thing anybody wants to see, whether it be Athens or Ankara, or anyone else in NATO or the transatlantic community, is any type of kinetic engagement between these allies. Because uh, regardless of being historical rivals, both countries are in NATO. Both countries are coastal neighbors. They'll be neighbors today. They were neighbors a thousand years ago. They'll be neighbors a thousand years from now as well. So it, even though it looks like both sides are very, very far apart, I do believe that exploratory talks will open the channels for dialogue and there can be some agreements reached. There need to be some compromises. Obviously, there are some areas that Turkey will need to compromise as well. Compromise is a two-way street. But I think that... Uh, certain maximalist claims, especially around the island of Castellarizo and also in the eastern Mediterranean that uh, limit Turkey's coastal waters and continental shelf to just a few kilometers. These are definitely areas where Athens is going to have to rethink its strategy if it's going to sit at the table with Turkey. Professor Dr. Nomikos, I'd like to ask you specifically, in light of, of uh, EU uh, uh, Council uh, President uh, Charles Michel, who uh, basically set an ultimatum for Ankara uh, to alter its actions uh, in the East Med uh, by uh, December, uh, before uh, such exploratory talks can take place, uh, if uh, Ankara would withdraw, uh, the, uh, the seismic vessel Rukreis uh, from the East Med, would you see Athens uh, agree to, to uh, re-engage in those exploratory talks in light of the latest developments? Well, that's the point. I mean, if we are going to have another forum, you know, in December, um, of course, as you realize, I'm a, I'm a director of an independent think tank. I don't represent the Greek government. This is my personal opinion. But I do believe that Greece, you know, the Greek government has all the willingness uh, to open a discussion with Turkey. But let me remind you something. Let me refresh your memory. 
for the last two decades, we have a continuously violation of the Greek airfare from the Turkish Air Force. And uh, are we a member of NATO? Of course we are a member of NATO. But uh, what, what, uh, what the NATO is doing now? I mean, if I use, you know, the word coming from a, from a Mr. Macron phrase that NATO is really <clears throat> clinically dead, I do believe that there is a compromise of the NATO Article 5. Let's, 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 let's just say to you, because I grew up in America, right? I studied in America, all right? What's happened if we have a warm incident, which I find it very possible between, you know, Greece and Turkey before the exploratory talks start, start in December? What's happened to the Article 5 if two, two member nations fight each other? What I see right now is a really uh, an unreliable partner you know, who does not really respect the Article 5 and the NATO protocol and they create a lot of instability in the southeastern uh, wings of NATO. This is unacceptable. If you are a member of the club, you have to respect uh, all the regulation. And of course, you have to... Re Let me tell you something now. What happened to the S-400? All right, this is outside, you know, the, uh, the NATO protocol regarding the ammunition. So, all right, let's discuss, but we need to, you know, respect each other. We need to respect the international law. And I see right now, you know, a, a very unreliable uh, Atlantic alliances, which really does not, you know, try to solve the problem. But, you know, what, what I see, keep it really a silent. And I'm very much afraid that if NATO does not, you know, uh, respect the alliances that was founded, in the after the World War II, NATO would not have a serious uh, reason to exist, uh, you know, as we go right now. So we, you have to realize that Greece and NATO, you know, are two NATO members, but uh, I don't see, you know, the two members of NATO uh, respect each other. You know, right now we have, you know, in a few days a national a national holiday in Greece, and we are on alert. And uh, I do believe. Uh, that the war ministry that is coming from Mr. Erdogan's hand. And when I talk about uh, uh, Turkey, I always said Erdogan Turkey. I don't say about Turkey. So this is a different, uh, a different opinion. And I do believe uh, that the destabilization policy that Mr. Erdogan has pursued is going to make, you know, the East Aegean crisis and the, and the, and the, the Eastern Mediterranean uh, today, you know, Caucasus in Nagorno-Karabakh, and tomorrow is going to be, you know, moving directly to the Balkan. So what do we see here? We see more fire, but I don't see a fire brigade to come there. So NATO should be the fire brigade and stabilize the country. But NATO is looking on the other way. So I don't feel very comfortable about that. Well, right? I'd like to bring... I'd like to bring our TV7 analyst into the, the picture as a, a NATO expert for many years uh, who traveled to uh, NATO HQ and, and uh, you've uh, communicated with most heads of uh, NATO over the years. Uh, to what degree is this alliance uh, currently in, in an all-time low, if you will, with uh, a situation in which two allies are at the brink of war, as it seems uh, in today's panel. And uh, do you see the, the various uh, activities undertaken by Director General of NATO, Jens Stoltenberg, in which he traveled to Ankara, he met with President Erdogan, he traveled to uh, 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 the, the uh, Greek uh, capital Athens, he met with the Prime Minister of Greece as well, and, and
and they had discussions uh, about uh, finding a deconfliction mechanism, uh, very much the same like other countries have uh, around the world, in order to avoid a frontal conflict. Where is this standing? With the possible exception of uh, former Yugoslavia, there is no other place in Europe where you have so much emotionalism. You've had our two distinguished guests, the commentators, who do not represent their governments. They are experts, they are private citizens, but they obviously reflect the mood in their uh, countries. And it doesn't seem as if uh, there is going to be a meeting of the minds without some cool-headed mediation. Now, can NATO serve as the mediator? One doubts it because NATO itself is looking uh, for a raison d'etre. Uh, the uh, uh, Cold War is long over, 30 years. It started looking at what it called out-of-area uh, exploits, including, of course, in the Gulf, in Afghanistan, and uh, 16 years ago at Istanbul, it started the Istanbul uh, cooperation initiative. But this uh, is not enough in order to mediate between these two historic uh, rivals. And if you add to that the problem of the islands, which both of our guests uh, have remarked on, look at the Pacific, where the Chinese are now building artificial islands, and then they claim that they have sovereignty over the waters around them in order um, for them to build bases on the islands. And the Americans are trying to find a legal and political way around it. If after the elections in the United States and next January, when an administration uh, takes place and uh, fills the uh, uh, key posts, if it can turn its, its attention both to NATO, because uh, over the last four years, NATO has not thrived um, under the current American policy, and then not only NATO itself, by the, but the Greek-Turkish uh, uh, conflict, that may help uh, the two sides solve it. But as uh, we are looking at it now, we are still far from it. Mr. Arim, I'd like to talk about practical matters. What needs to be happening in Ankara's perspective in order to uh, come to a position of sitting down at the table and hammering things out uh, via diplomacy rather than allowing the guns to blaze? Well, Ankara has uh, made it very clear that it is ready to engage in diplomacy uh, without any preconditions. Uh, this was evident about a month and a half, two months ago, when uh, the German Chancellor Angela Merkel uh, called Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, told him to cease uh, maritime activities and drilling activities and give diplomacy a chance, and he agreed to. He pulled the ships back in for maintenance, allowed, uh, allowed an opportunity for uh, the Turkish and Greek administrations to talk. They were actually hours away from a joint statement being released when Greece announced its maritime accord with Egypt, which Turkey viewed as dealing in bad faith uh, Turkey viewed that Greece was using this opportunity <clears throat> to sit down and try to delegitimize its own maritime accord with Libya. So it scrapped the joint it's it scrapped the joint press uh, conference press statement, and ever since then it's been a rocky road. But uh, Turkey has said that it's ready to sit down at the table 
uh, without any preconditions to discuss a wide array of topics. I just want to touch on one more thing. We were talking about NATO with the other guests. Uh, I'd like to think that Turkey is the biggest contributor to NATO when we look at what's been going on over the past decade, whether it be Operation Euphrates Shield, killing 3,000 members of the Daesh terrorist organization, whether it be countering Assad Russia in Syria, whether it be taking out Hezbollah in Idlib, uh, whether it be fighting the forces of uh, the warlord Khalifa Haftar and Russia in Libya, whether it be countering Russia in uh, in Azerbaijan, Nagorno-Karabakh. We're seeing Turkey do all the heavy lifting when it comes to NATO, but for some reason, we're seeing a lot of finger pointing uh, at Turkey. I don't see any other NATO ally right now doing what Turkey's doing. Uh, is it for its own self-interest? Yes, but when we look at the bigger picture, this is something that the transatlantic alliance is greatly benefiting from. There are a couple of minutes left. Professor Dr. Nomikos, uh, what needs to be happened? Yes. Same question to you. Yes, well, let, let me tell you something, you know. What's happened between the Turkish and the Libyan, you know, maritime, you know, agreement was illegal, 100% illegal. What's the role of, uh, of the Turkish armed forces or the old jihadists and all the Islamic network that uh, has passed, you know, to Libya? They're illegal. What's the role of, what's the business of Turkey doing in Libya right now? I don't understand. I don't see Greeks there. And I don't see Greeks, you know, intervening in Azerbaijan or uh, Nagorno-Karabakh. I don't see, you know, Turkish intervening in Syria for whatever zero they are here. So Greece is a small country, 10 million people. We like diplomacy and we like respect for the international law. And since Greeks join it, you know, NATO, we always pay a fair. All right, Mr. Donald Trump, when he was talking about who is paying, you know, the fees, you know, to the to NATO, Greece was there, all right? Not like some other state, they never pay. I do understand that Turkey is, 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 a, is, a, is a country, a neighbor to us, but but let me tell you something, we have to be straight here, all right? What I say now, I do represent the Greeks who watch in the street, all right? I do represent the Greek people. I speak on behalf of the Greek people right now. Well, if we like to talk, we need to talk as a win-win, all right? Not as a big state to a small state. NATO is not a mediator like the Israeli you know, commentator said quite well. Now, I don't think so that the mood is good and the chemistry is good to discuss. What I'm really worried, based right now in Greece, uh, that a warm incident is underway. Mr. Erdogan is looking for the right time, possibly before uh, the USA election, because we have a domestic chaos right now in the USA election. I hope that Turkey is going to use a diplomatic way to discuss with the Greek government, not Indeed. to use, you know, aggressive military attack on uh, the Greek Turkish border or on the North Aegean or on uh, any island. And so Professor I Dr. Nomikos, slow down. Thank you, sir. Indeed, uh, this is all the time that we have for today on this contentious uh, topic. I'm sure uh, we will have to revisit it and we'll be happy to have uh, both of you again on the show. So I'd like to thank Professor Dr. Nomikos, Mr. Erim and Mr. Oren for being with us here as well today. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.